morning, church. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in awe of what God has already been doing this morning. And I know he wants to do more. Because he told me, he kept telling me, he kept giving me the words as I prepare for this morning, there's more, there's more. And Chloe spoke about, about boxes that we have unknowingly, that we've created for whatever reason, our experience with the Lord, the way that we read the word, but he's so much more than any box we can ever create. And before I even get into what he, what he gave me for this morning, I was reminded of a picture he gave me recently of how when someone is, is passed out, they take those, those shocker pads and goes, Whoosh! and when they work, the person just, just comes to life. Their eyes open, the breath comes forth. And I felt that he was saying that he wants to do that with his bride, with his church, that he wants to bring a measure of life to us that's that radical, from near death to just an explosion to life. And I believe he's going to do that, and he is doing that right now. And I want to start, I want to share from, from two books this morning, actually. Um, one is the, the Mighty Word of God, where I will spend the most amount of my time this morning. But I also want to share from a, a book I read recently. It was a book by a pretty well-known pastor. I want to read just page one of the introduction to the book, because it really, I think it, it translates into a lot that's come forth this morning, and it challenged me greatly, and it also stirred me greatly towards the Lord. So he begins, and he says, be honest, how much time did you spend praising Jesus this morning? Asking for things doesn't count. Just reading a passage of scripture doesn't count. I'm asking, how much time did you spend staring at him and telling him how amazing he is? We were God's enemy destined to face his wrath. Let that sink in. Jesus was tortured on the cross to appease the wrath of God. Does that truth still move you? You are now reconciled with God and adopted as his child. How do we go a day without praising him for this? God now abides in you. Don't just give this a head nod. Marvel at this. We can't start our days without praise. We are commanded to rejoice in him always. There is nothing you have to do today that is more important than worshiping him. So that was page one of the introduction to this book. And we can hear these statements, these truths, these questions, and especially on Sunday after what the Lord's been busy with, in our minds we can, we can agree. We can say yes and amen. But when we look at our lives on a day-to-day -day basis, does the reality of these statements match up with the reality of life as we know it? Does it match up? And the question we have to ask ourselves, if it doesn't match up, why not? Why not? And it's a very important question because the reality is, it's God's heart for us. 
it's God's heart for us. There's more. There's more. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he writes, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, church, realize this isn't some some legalistic standard that as you read it, that should make you feel bad for how how far short you're falling in these three commands. Because they're pretty high commands. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. But it's not about that. We need to realize that because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, realize that he's given you the Holy Spirit, the person of God himself, the power of God himself within you, who is longing and desiring for these three realities to become such a reality of who you are that there's no longer a disconnect between you and God. That's what the Holy Spirit longs for within you and is gracing you and enabling to do within you. So if it's not currently a reality for you in your life, you have to ask the question, why not? And a better, better from that place, prayerfully ask the Lord, Lord, what now? What now, Lord? What do you desire of me in this moment, in the time to come until I see you face to face? Lord, what now? What do you desire? And I felt the Lord highlight a passage for us this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. I'll read the whole passage and I'll take a closer look at it. Starting in verse 15. Paul writes, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Let's go back to verse 15. And it begins with, Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise. So the question you have to ask yourself is, are you paying careful attention to how you walk? How you are living your life day by day. Other translations say, be very careful, or look carefully, or be constantly taking heed. Realize that unwise people don't do this. Wise people do. So are you paying careful attention to how you spend your time? Each and every activity, each and every moment. We often speak of of stewardship, of stewarding everything that God has given us. Everything we have is his. On Sunday, we often speak of the area of finances. But I want to ask you a different question this morning. I want to ask you, are you stewarding the gift of each breath that God himself, by his infinite grace and mercy, has chosen to give you each day? Do you see 
that breath as a gift. Each and every breath as a gift given by him to be given back unto him. In everything we do, not just Sunday morning, not just Wednesday evening. Galatians 2.20, we're reminded that we have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And as a new creation, we are crucified to our flesh and the world, living a life for him and unto him. Verse 16, he says, making the most of the time because the days are evil. And you have to ask yourself the question, are you making the most of the time? The time the Lord has given you, the time that remains. Are you making the most of the time? You may say, Pete, well, what does that mean? How am I supposed to spend my time? That's a great question. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we're called to walk with the Spirit in all things. And the question you have to ask constantly without ceasing in prayer to the Lord is, God, what do you want me to do right now? God, what do you want me to do right now? And let the Spirit determine your activities, determine your schedule, determine your agenda. And then also ask God, how do you want me to actually do this activity that you're asking me to do? So for example, the Lord say, the Lord may say, I want you to go to work. <laughs> I've called you to be diligent. I've called you to reflect me at your job. This is how you're going to provide for your family. And the Lord may say, go to work today, just like you do every other Monday. But he might also say that I want you to be so aware of me, so aware of my goodness, my faithfulness, my redemption, and my salvation, that you are overwhelmed with joy while you work. To the point that your coworkers, they're just dumbfounded. They can't understand how somebody could be that full of joy doing this job. They can't understand it. It, just, it baffles them. And this is the Lord's heart for us. This is the Lord's heart for us. To make the most of the time. And it says, because the days are evil... We need to be reminded of that. We see in Ephesians chapter 2, we're reminded that Satan is very much at work in the ways of this world, in the spirit of this world. And there's actually a course to it, a current to it, that is going to take you in the direction of the world, into the activities of the world, away from God, unless you are intentional to make the most of the time, to abide in him. To remain in him. Verse 17, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So realize if you don't understand what the Lord's will is, you are being foolish. Fortunately, in some ways, it's, it's really very simple. We, we just read earlier what God's will is for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. 
And from that place, from aligning with the Spirit in constant prayer with a thankful, rejoicing heart, He will reveal His will to you. And He'll align your heart and your life with Him. And it'll be absolutely beautiful. It'll be so far above what we can even imagine. So far beyond our our human experience. So far outside of any box we may have created about what life with God looks like. And so what stands in the way of us doing this? Of us making the most of the time. Of us walking wisely in our lives. And we read in verse 18, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And may I say that we are getting drunk on the wrong things way too often. This verse speaks specifically about being drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. But I feel there are numerous other things that we are taking into our hearts and our minds that are foolish, that are unwise, and that are leading us to reckless living and life away from God's heart for us. Some of the things the Lord put on my heart that we may be getting drunk on, television, you may be getting drunk on on Netflix, on series, binge watching, you may be getting drunk on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, you may be getting drunk on video games, you may be getting drunk on movies, you may be getting drunk on the news, on current events, you may be getting drunk on sports. I don't know what it is for you. I do know the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you if he hasn't already. He's been speaking about it all morning. A lot of these things, be very clear, these are idols that the world worships. We had that word come through talking about the high places where they were deceived to think that they could leave the high places still standing and just turn this way to worship their God. God called them to tear down the high places. He called them to tear down and destroy the high places. And you may even rationalize and say, well, Pete, I'm, I'm not getting drunk on these things. I'm just, I'm just sipping on it. I'm totally in control, Pete. The scripture doesn't, it doesn't apply to me. And first, church, I want you to remember God's will and God's standard for us. Because we're not called to live life in a way where everyone does what is right in his own eyes. We must remember that. And realize that God's will is for us. We just spoke about it. His will is for us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. So from that, you have to honestly ask yourself this question. Is the activity that I mentioned, TV, social media, news, sports, whatever it may be, is it bringing your heart closer to a place where you are rejoicing praying, and giving thanks in all things. Because that's God's will for us. So is this activity that I mentioned that he's putting his finger on, is it bringing you towards his will? You have to reflect on that. And if it's not, then one of two things has to happen. Either you have to change the way that you actually engage in that activity, so you're in line with God's will, or that activity has to go. It has to leave. It has to be surrendered Because it's not making the most of the time in the Lord's eyes. The Lord says, do not get drunk on these things. Don't do things 
that can lead to reckless living. He says, rather, be filled with the Spirit. And a better question is, how often are you doing activities that bring forth, by God's grace, a constant filling of the Spirit? There's more, church. There's more. We serve a God where there's more. And I believe there's a place in Him where we're no longer measuring how filled we are with a, with a human tank. Oh, I know I'm on completely empty right now. Life's been crazy. Oh, I'm about half full. I'm kind of getting to the Lord. I actually feel like I'm almost full. I, I really am actually getting to the Lord more than I usually do. No, I believe there's a different place, Lord. I, I believe, church, there's a place that if we make the most of the time, we'll be so filled by the Spirit that we'll actually be submerged in Him. That He will literally take over everything that you think and do and everything that you are. It will blow away the boxes of what we think life in the Spirit looks like. So how do you know that you are filled by the Spirit? We see a few examples in verses 19 through 21. Be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Have you ever met that person that's just walking around? doesn't matter where they are, and they're, they're just singing worship music. They could be sweeping the steps outside of Provence. They could be folding the laundry at home with the kids screaming in the background. And worship is just coming forth from their bellies. They're so filled with the Spirit that even in the seemingly ordinary and mundane things of life, there's a song in their heart unto the Lord, worship and praise, and an overflowing coming forth of living streams of water from within. This is his heart for us. Verse 20, we see someone again so filled with the Spirit that they're thankful always for everything. Always for everything. And then verse 21, out of a fear of Christ, we submit to one another. There's such an awareness that we're the body of Christ. We need one another in every way, shape, and form, and we long to love each other, to love the body of Christ as Christ loved us. It's another sign of being filled by the Spirit. And he's been saying it this morning, there's more of him that he wants you to hunger and thirst for, to long for, to have a lovesickness for. John 17, 3, Jesus prays to the Father and he, he defines eternal life. I think sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we think it's just going to be that day, glorious day, when we see him face to face in heaven. But Jesus says eternal life is that they know you, that they intimately know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And God has already given us his Holy Spirit to help us do that now. Now, before we see him face to face. Oh, and the Spirit longs and desires to call us forth to knowing Him more, to revealing Him more, 
to understanding the depths and riches of his love even more. He longs for that for us. Church, if Jesus isn't consuming your thoughts, if he isn't consuming your speech, there's more. There's more. It's this beautiful divine mystery. We said it, we sang it this morning. He's worthy of it all. And, and the fact is, we should give him everything solely for that reason. You know, Errol spoke about that, that place of we want, we want a breakthrough, we want something from him. But they'll realize that he's worthy that we give him everything solely because he's worthy. Even if it costs us everything, even if it means trials, tribulation, persecution, death as a martyr for his name and for the gospel, he is worthy. He's worthy. But the divine mystery is that as we give him everything, he pours himself out into us. And it's, it's so absolutely amazing. It goes beyond comprehension. It goes beyond experience. It goes beyond anything that's beyond comparison. The fullness of joy. And it's, it's insane. It's a joy that this world couldn't even begin to provide, even if it tried. And believe me, it does try. But don't be deceived. It is a counterfeit substitute joy. And let us not settle for that. There's a fullness of joy in him. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. One translation says, filled so as to be completely satisfied. He's our portion. He's enough. He's more than enough. We can't even handle how much of enough he is. He wants us to hunger and thirst for him, to desire him, to long for him, to long to be with him. And I believe us, I believe he's calling us to seek his face, to seek his face more and more and more. Psalm 27, verse 8. The psalmist says, My heart says this about you seek his face. So the spirit within us, our hearts, are, it's whispering. If we pay attention, if we slow down from the busyness and the distraction of life, our hearts are, are crying out from within us, seek his face. Seek his face. And let us be like the psalmist saying, our response being, Lord, I will seek your face. In Psalm 105.4, we, we see, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Church, he desires us to close the gap, to begin closing the gap between where we are now, the measure of which we're seeking him now, to seeking him always, seeking him constantly. Now, this side of heaven, we won't get there. We'll we'll reach the always when we see him face to face, but there's more, church. There's more. He desires more. He's calling us forth to more of him. if I can have you come on up. There's a number of themes that have come through this morning. 
And I believe Jesus wants to shine his almighty light and truth on each one of our hearts this morning. He's already doing it. Can I have everyone stand, please? The two verses just before this passage, Ephesians 5, 13 and 14, Paul speaks about Darkness, darkness in the world, darkness that we can allow into our hearts and our lives, sometimes unknowingly. And there's a call, there's a call to to open up to the Lord. There's a call to open up our hearts, to open up our minds, to open up our lives, and to allow His light to shine in. And it's beautiful because everything exposed by the light becomes visible and actually becomes light. Darkness flees. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And Paul writes, this is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. And I believe the Lord wants to awaken something in us as his bride. I believe, I fully believe by the Lord's eyes, we've been sleeping. Some of us more than others, but each and every one of us, by the Lord's standards, we've been sleeping. And he wants to wake us up for us to arise, for us to allow him to come in and have his way in each and every area of our hearts, each and every area of our lives. And that beautiful place where we're experiencing him beyond measure, but also that beautiful place where the world sees him through us. And he desires that. And the first thing I want to do, just go ahead and if you have a prayer language, start praying in your prayer language. Otherwise, pray in English or Afrikaans. Just pray to yourself right now to the Lord. So I believe the Lord wants to do two things. First thing I want, I think he wants to do is he wants to come. (laughs) He wants to come and have his way in each of our hearts. In 
Revelation, there's this letter to the church, Laodicea, where the Lord says, Behold, I'm knocking at the door. If, if you open the door, I will come in and dine with you. It's a letter to a church. A church that he called lukewarm. A church that thought they weren't needy. That thought they had what they needed. He said, there's more. He said, there's more. He said, be earnest and repent. There's more. And it's come through today. <laughs> if we ever come to a place where we show up before the Lord, before his word, and we don't tremble, and if we show up with familiarity, we've gone lukewarm. There's a place in us that's gone lukewarm, and we must repent. We must become earnest, and we must fling open every area of our hearts and minds to the Lord. And say, Lord, come in. I want to dine with you. You are my bridegroom. You are my one and only. I want to be unified with you. Lord, clear the clutter. Clear everything away. As Chloe shared earlier, I think there's some of you are sitting here and you, you even know the Lord's showing you what that thing is he wants you to give to him. But you don't even know how. You don't even have the strength. God will give it to you. God will give it to you. Holy Spirit, I pray you come now. We open our hearts to you. We open our lives to you. We open our minds to you. We open up everything we are to you. We ask you to come. We ask you to shine your light everywhere in our lives, in our hearts. If there's something that you desire of us, we give it to you. We offer it now. We say, take it. Our hands are open. Help us to surrender this. You're worthy. We declare you're worthy. You are worthy. On your own hearts, just have that conversation with him right now. Tell him he's worthy. Give him what he's asking for. Ask him to help you. Lord, we know you desire more. <laughs> you desire to give us more because you are more. There's so much more. And between now and your return, Lord, we know that you're going to pour yourself out on your church on this earth, and there's going to be glory. Your glory is going to shine. Lord, we cannot do this without you. We cannot do this without you. We declare we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come, that you come, that you fill us. Fill our hearts. Fill us to an overflow. Fill us.
Come have your way. Come have your way. Come have your way. Oh, we worship you, Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy of a pure and spotless bride. You are coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Holy Holy Spirit, bring fire on our hearts. Bring fire on our hearts for you. Consume us with a love for you. Consume us with a passion for you.